is a second loneliness, you could call it that way. And maybe it is precisely the fact that you have found a home and feel deeply loved. There is still a hole when you have found a home. Pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together. We have to understand that we're not each other's enemy. We have to say, let's move forward. It can feel daunting to not be perfect when you've got all these like perfect people. People aren't perfect, no one's perfect. The person I'm actually going to talk about this morning is a person that most of us won't know as well as we know those other people. It's someone who, for me in the last 10 years, has probably had more effect on my life than anyone else. It's a person whose my actions, my decision-making, has all come about or changed significantly since I looked at what this person did, or what I looked at him 10 years ago and saw what he did. And this is him. The number three servant in Jesus' parable, Matthew 25. This is the person I'm going to talk to you about this morning. And you're all going, give me Yoda or Dan Carter or something. This person, he doesn't have a name, doesn't have much of a profile, not very wise. In fact, in this parable we're going to read that he was a person held up to be someone not to be like. And what I found about 10 years ago was that my life was so similar in so many ways to this person. And so this person, when I looked at him that decade ago, I decided I did not want to be like this person. And so this person has had the hugest effect on my life in the last 10 years. Very, very significant. So I want to share some of that with you this morning. And hopefully with you too, that maybe you can see some similarities and maybe this can be an encouragement that we don't want to be uh, like this guy. So the number three servant in Jesus' parable Matthew 25. So if you'd like to turn with me, or if you'd like to, we're going to have some verses up in the Bible. But first of all, before we look at that servant, we're just going to look at the parable. And as we look at the parable, the start of chapter 25 starts by saying, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like. So here's Jesus talking some parables, and he starts these parables, there's a few of them, and he starts by saying, this is what the kingdom of heaven will be like. So as we look at this parable, it's a very simple parable to understand. There's not much trickiness to it at all. It's not that hard to get our heads around. But what we do need to understand is that Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven. And he says it will be like, because it will be like when he leaves to go to heaven, of which he's now gone. So he's now in heaven, and so we are now within this period of the kingdom of heaven. So the first thing we need to get out of this parable is that we are living in the kingdom of heaven now. We're not filling in time we're not hanging about, we're not on a gap year, we're not, we're not just hanging out waiting for the kingdom of heaven when we get there finally. This parable talks about us being in the kingdom of heaven now. And so what we're going to read about in this parable is what we're doing now is being part of the kingdom of heaven and it matters. And it says there at the start of this parable we're going to look at, it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. So the other thing is, is that when Jesus is gone, he's the man on the journey, and he entrusted his wealth 
with us as servants. So that's a very, very important part of this parable, is that the wealth that we're left with while we're here living during the kingdom of heaven process is not our wealth, it's God's wealth. So as we're living, this is God's wealth we're going to talk about today. Not our own, this is what God has left with us. Right, so we're going to read. Parable of the talents. The new NIV has just changed the term, the word talent to bags of gold. So we'll try and make sure I get that right. I'm reading out of talents here and it says bag of gold up there. Here we go. Again, it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them, or his wealth, it says there. To one he gave five talents of money, or bags of gold. To another, two talents, and to another, one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. We'll just stop there for now. Right. So, talents or pots of gold mean the same thing. Now, the first thing is we need to understand when the word talent of money or pots of gold were used in the Bible. It's talking about something very, very valuable. Okay? And some people have said one talent was worth around about half a life's worth of wages. Okay, so the term that they were using is when they talk about one talent was about half a life's worth of wages. So I did some maths. I'm a numbers sort of guy. So if you're on $40,000 a year and you work from 20 to 70, because probably we'll have to work to 70 by the time I get there, that there's $2 million in that 50 years of life. Okay, so half a year's, half a lifetime's worth is about a million bucks. So all I'm saying is that every talent, one talent, is very, very valuable. So the term here that we're talking, these aren't just little bits of wealth that God has left with his people. These are very, very valuable things that God has left. So even the one talent is a very valuable thing, part of God's wealth that he's left with us. So we should never underestimate the value of the talents when we read the story or when we think about what God has given to us. All right, but we also know that talents is not just money. So I'm in for a bit of interaction this morning. So I'd like you guys to just call out, what else do we know or would we think could be classed as talents or pots of gold from God? Not just gold. So what, some ideas, what else could there be? Time, beautiful. Yep. Good health. Skills. So, sorry, what was that? Peace. Peace, nice. Yep, heaps, come on. Passion. Passion. Yeah. Cows. <laughs> Give that man a free coffee. <laughs> Cows. <Yeah>. Family. <laughs> Creativity. Beautiful. Yep. Gifts, yep. Awesome. So, I take forward this list. There are heaps of things that come into us. Visions. How many visions we get from God? Conversations that we could have. Staff, shareholders in a business, customers that come our way, workmates, friends, education. So many things that come into our lives that we have been given can be seen as a gift from God. And 
they'll be very, very valuable. Right, here's another reality check that we just saw in the thing. For a lot of us, this is quite a barrier and a problem that we get stuck on. Some of us are given five talents, some of us are given two, and some of us are given one. Now, you may not know that I have, I wouldn't call it one talent, but I have some talent of music. We love music in our family. I can play the keyboard or the piano, a lot of it, but not as good as Edison. By the way, wasn't that music team awesome this morning? I was just seeing my son play the saxophone and play the keyboard. I'm going, what? Where did that come from? I can't play the saxophone at all. I can play the drums. I love playing the drums. But I can't play as good as Hayden. I, I can play the bass guitar, but I can't play as good as Hayden. I can play the guitar, but I can't play as good as Jamie. And it's one of the biggest barriers for us as Christians or for people is that we keep comparing what we can do compared to what others can do. And it's just a sad reality it's not a sad reality. It's a great reality that God's made us all different. He has given us all different giftings. And yet we get so hung up on the fact sometimes that we've got one bag of gold instead of the five. And if we let that get us hung up, then we are not going to be doing what God wants us to do with our bag of gold. If I get hung up on the fact that I'm not good, as good as these guys at these instruments, I could give up on my skill that I do have, not develop it, not use it, and then get to heaven one day and God says, what did you do? I gave you a bag of gold. What did you do with it? Oh, it wasn't, it wasn't as good as my son. My son was better than me. It wasn't. We get so hung up on this, folks, and as we see in this parable, that's not even an issue in the parable at all. And yet for us, as humans, we get very, very hung up on this fact. It's a reality check. We all know it, that there's some people better at things than others, and yet we often use it as an excuse, and we shouldn't. All right. So, all these three have been given their three different bags of gold or talents. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, You entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. So here we are looking at the first two servants. First thing we need to note, verse 19 up there, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and did what? Settled accounts with them. Again, this is one of those things that we sometimes don't like. I think we don't like to think that sometimes Jesus is going to come and settle accounts with us that we're going to turn up to heaven and everyone's just going to be well done, good and faithful servant. But the reality is, folks, that the master's going to return and we're going to have to settle accounts with him. We cannot ignore verse number 19 in this parable. So, 
the master returns. And this phrase is a phrase that I've heard many, many times. As we go to funerals, often we read about people and, and we give them an earthly commendation of well done, good and faithful servant. And I think of the training I've done, I've done a degree in agriculture, so I've got a Bachelor of Agriculture. I've got a Diploma of Agriculture Science. I've got a Diploma of Agricultural Science. I've, I keep hearing that I'm studying towards a Master's of Theology. So one day, if I succeed, I'll have a Master's of Theology. But none of that will matter when I come and stand before God compared to hearing these words. Well done, good and faithful servant. So I think for all of us, if there's a, a qualification that we're living in this world for now, this is it. It's to hear as we stand before God, as we're settling our accounts, well done, good and faithful servant. And so we see in the example of the first two servants, neither of them got judged, neither of them compared with each other, one having five, one having two. Master didn't expect the person with two bags to get 20. They just did it according to what they were given. And they were both given the same commendation, well done, good and faithful servant. So the question is, what makes number three different? This is what got me going. What made number three different to those other two? And as I found out more about number three, I found out the similarities that I found in my life that started getting me quite concerned and worried. Before we look at number three, I want to play you one of my favourite adverts. It's an advert that I find... I love because in many ways it describes me so well. Anyone who knows me well knows that this ad explains me to a T. Now there's two types of people. There's the lean back, slap on a coat of paint, chuck up a fence, straight enough mate, build a trolley, help your dad out, grow your own veggies, assemble the barbie, nice effort lads, drill holes, stop for a cuppa, Never owned a bottle opener, do it yourself type. Then there's the pay someone else to do it type. You don't want to be this type. Might attend. Making DIY easy as. I just love that word, you don't want to be that type. Which type do you reckon? Hey, I'm a farmer. Hey, farmers are practical people. Hey, so which one do you reckon I am? <laughs> look, look, I don't know what happened, but it was. I reckon I was born and my do-it-yourself gene got up and went. All right? It's just one of those things, I'm just hopeless. I'm hopeless. It is the most frustrating thing I find about myself, is I'm practically useless. Hey, I can spend hours thinking about how to do the simplest thing, being very proud of the fact that I'm spending hours trying to work it out so my wife can be proud of her husband, and then do it wrong, because I just overlook the most obvious. You know, and then you get the likes of this Andrew, or someone else just turns up and rocks up and clink, 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 in no time, and it's so frustrating. So, I'm not that guy just because I'm lazy, I'm just that guy because I'm useless. <laughs> like, I'm just practically useless. And then when you hear that advert say, you don't want to be that type. You know, it just digs every time. Just, I, I don't want to be that type. Just, that's just the way that I am. So, that 
that advert, oh yeah, it just comes up and Andrew was laughing as soon as he saw the ad because he knew that was me. That's me. That's... Anyway, so as we look at these types, right, we don't want to be this type. But as we look at this parable, we don't want to be this type of number three. There are two types of people and we don't want to be this type. So again, what made him this type is what we're going to find out hopefully now. I just took my sticker off at the wrong spot. All right, then the man, yep, who had received the one talent or bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not gathered scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. You, so you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him. Give it to the one who has ten bags of gold. For everybody, everyone who has will be given more, and he who have an abundance, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We don't want to be that type. This is the type of person we don't want to be. And yet as I read this verse, and as it challenged me 10 or so years ago, I thought, there's so much about my life that is like this guy. So much about my life. Now, I don't want to focus on the result, on the consequences that we read here. But it's easy to see the serious. The consequences of being this type is serious. So as we look at the why, let's not forget about the consequences. First of all, an easy question, what did this man do with his talents? Nothing. Buried them in the ground. He did nothing. Hid your gold in the ground. So as I come back and look at this list of things that we've called out before and that I've listed up there, I reckon there have been so many visions, conversations, business opportunities, careers, finances that God has brought into our life that we've done nothing with, that we've buried. I know when I looked at this 10 years ago, look, it could be only me. You guys could all be servants one and two. It could be just me. But when I looked at this, so many conversations that I could have had that I buried. So many times I'd had a bit of a, well, I'm not a big on the big vision God yelling at me, but there's so many times where I know that God's laid stuff on my heart, where there's been a clear vision from God, and I've buried it, done nothing with it. And as I looked at this, and I looked at this list of things, there's so many times that we bury what God gives us to do, whether it's musical talents, whether it's ideas, whether it's conversations, whether it's possessions. So the question I thought, why? 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 What do we read about this number three servant? What do we learn about him that says that we do this? What causes us to bury these things from God? 
The first thing we read about in these verses is that he says there, I knew that you were a hard man. So the first problem with this guy is that he thought he knew. He thought he knew. He actually didn't know because his understanding of God was wrong. And when the master comes back and says, oh, you thought I was a hard man? If you notice it, there was a question mark at that sentence. So the master never agreed with the fact of what his intentions was, but even said, even if you thought I was a hard man, you should have put my money in the bank anyway. But the fact is that he didn't know his master well. You know, and I think for a lot of us, we don't know our master half as well as we could do. And as I looked at the why of this guy, and I thought, I'm the same. I don't know him half as well as I should do. And again, I'm, I'm doing the Masters of Mythology, and I'm like, I'm not, I've got 48% in school of English. I'm not, I'm not a studying type of guy, but it was a clear decision. I wanted to know my God more. I wanted to know Jesus, and I'm a terrible reader. I don't like, I've got no self-discipline. Why am I being so honest here in front of you all this morning? Okay, but for, the, for me, having a, an accountability to study and hand something in is what I need to know my Lord better. Now, if you guys can know God better by just reading, then don't do a master's because it's so difficult and takes so much time. So don't do that. But if you need accountability to know God better, then get yourself accountability. If we don't know our God well enough, we can bury stuff that shouldn't be buried. But my number one issue with this guy that hit me square in the head a few years back was this phrase here. Let's all read it together. So I was afraid. Can we say it again? So I was afraid. That just killed me. And those three words have been the most significant words other than I love wifey in the last 10 years. I was afraid. I was afraid. That was the number one reason why this number three servant buried his gold. Because he was afraid. And I look back again at this list of stuff and I think of all the talents and all the conversations and I saw time and time again how I'd buried stuff that God had brought into my life because I was afraid. I was afraid. I was afraid. And because of that, so many things get buried. Right, interaction time. What makes us afraid? I'm assuming I'm not the only one. Great. Sorry, what was that? Fear of failure. Fear of failure. Embarrassment. Yep. Pardon? Fear of man. Not, not knowing what will happen afterwards. Pride, did I hear pride? Yep. Pardon? Loss of security, so an openness. Rejection. So again, I've just listed up some things here. You know, and as we look at these things, fear of failure, fear of success. What if I talk to this nutter who I don't like and he becomes a friend? For me, it's a case of, I don't know the words I'm going to say. 
I don't know the answers. There's a fear of what, what, if I start a conversation about God, what, what will their question be and then how will I answer that back? There's so much fear that comes into creating us to bury what God is bringing to our lives. And as we look at these, so many of these fears that we've talked about, that we've looked at, are fear relating to other people. And you know what? The, the third servant didn't actually even look at that. He was fear of God. But for us, the fear of other people are our biggest issue that we deal with. It's the fear of rejection. It's how I look to others. You know what? It is a significant, significant issue that we care about what other people think. And the care and the worry and the fear that comes about what other people think or about what we'll think of ourselves creates this thing of bearing these talents. And as we do worry about that, then it's bringing back the focus on ourselves rather than on God. We're going to look at some verses now, and as we look through some of what the Bible teaches, we're going to see that the Bible teaches us clearly that the power of God is far greater than the power or the worry of other people. We see in Hebrews, so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Fear of man will prove to be a snare, and that's exactly what we're learning about this morning, is it's the fear of other people that proves to be a snare in us using the gifts and the talents and the bags of gold that God has given to us. Joshua was a young leader who took over from Moses. This guy had five bags of talent when it comes to leadership, I reckon. He was put in charge of taking the Israelites into the land that the Lord had promised them. The land that they'd scouted out and shown to be full of big people. They'd already seen that this was going to be an impossible task. And Joshua was given the, the leadership mantle. And this is what God says to Joshua. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it, Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Because you can do it. Because I believe in you? No. Because others will think you're a good leader? No. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Because I, the Lord your God, will be with you wherever you go. We've got a far greater power working in us, working with His wealth, His talents, His bags of gold in our life that is far greater than what can make us afraid enough to bury them. 
David says, when I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. Fear will no doubt come in. It comes in all the time. It is a choice we have to trust God and to put our trust in Him. In Isaiah, God says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. We don't want to be that type that buries our our talents that God has given us. His talents that he has given us. We don't want to be the type that lets fear dominate, fear of man especially dominate over the power that God has within us. Let's just bow our heads and as we bow our heads I'd really like you guys to think what, what are the talents or bags of God that God has placed in my life that I'm bearing? What are those things? Are there things that have happened now? Maybe they've happened before. And as we think about these things, let's try and honestly think, is it fear? Is it because we're afraid that we're stopping or that we're bearing these things? And what I want to do this morning, I want to give us the chance to make today a day where we choose not to be afraid. And so while we're sitting here, if you'd like to have the courage to stand up and say, I will not be afraid, then I'd like to welcome you to do that. God, as we stand here this morning, you know in our hearts the things you've brought into our lives, and you know that we've buried them, and maybe we've buried them because of our fear. And Lord, I pray that we can take this lesson of, from number three servant, and I pray that we can take the courage that you've implored to have over Joshua. Lord, I pray that you give us the courage to say we will not be afraid and we will trust you as we come to know you better and as we come to see your, your talents that you've given to us. I pray that you'll help us to have the courage to let those uh, be multiplied for your glory. We commit ourselves to you now in full humbleness expectation that your power can work through us, far greater than the power of fear. In Jesus' name, amen.